Now, tonight, I'm turning to the prophecy of Hosea. I have been speaking on these minor prophets. There are 12 of them. And then on Sunday mornings, from now until Christmas and probably into the new year, I'm going to speak on Jacob, the great patriarch Jacob, our father Jacob. And Hosea was a prophet of doom. In fact, I'm inclined to think that there are very few prophets in the Old Testament that weren't prophets of doom. That's why they were prophets. They rose up to tell the people that they had left the standards of God's law. They have departed from the Lord. And then to pronounce the great judgments of God upon them. And will you turn to this prophecy of Hosea? Just turn to it. I want to just touch on a few of these great texts, but turn to chapter 14. The last chapter of them all. O Israel, return unto the Lord thy God, for thou hast fallen by thine iniquity. Thou hast fallen by thine iniquity. And that which is pulling down our country tonight is our iniquity. That which has brought about the apostasy in the churches is the iniquity. Thou hast fallen by thine iniquity. Now, O Israel, return unto the Lord thy God. And the whole emphasis of this book is the awful iniquity that has come upon Israel. And Hosea is asking the children of Israel to come back to God. In this 13th chapter, verse 9, will you notice? O Israel, thou hast destroyed thyself, but in me is thine help. Did you know the United States of America is destroying herself tonight? We're destroying ourselves. We're just utterly destroying ourselves by our iniquity by the whole attitude we're taking toward our enemies and the communist world and the communists are gaining strength on every hand and we're in the position of destroying ourselves. And God says, O Israel, thou hast destroyed thyself. And it's this kind of preaching that somebody needs to give to America tonight. Now will you turn over just a little further, turn on back if you will. Turn to chapter 11, verse 1. When Israel was a child, then I loved him and called my son out of Egypt. As they called them, so they went from them. They sacrificed unto Balaam and burned incense to graven image. I taught Ephraim also to go, taking them by their arm, but they knew not that I healed them. Then, of course, it's in this great passage of Hosea that we have that very familiar text, Ephraim is joined to his idols. It's chapter 4, verse 17. Ephraim is joined to idols. Let him alone. No hope for him. He's gone. Ephraim is just so married to his idols, he just leave him alone. My, the judgment of God upon the awful iniquity of the children of Israel. And if you'll turn with me to chapter 10, verse 1, Israel is an empty vine, 
He bringeth forth fruit unto himself according to the multitude of his fruit. He hath increased the altars according to the goodness of the land. They have made goodly images. Their heart is divided. Now shall they be found faulty. He shall break down their altars. He shall spoil their images. And now they shall say, We have no king because we feared not the Lord. What then shall a king do to us? Then will you turn, please, over into the 8th chapter, which we read for our scripture. Verse 7, For they have sown the wind, and they shall reap the whirlwind. This is the law of retribution. It's the law of judgment. You sow to the wind just as certain as you do the whirlwind is going to gather. And beloved, when you sow to sin, you're going to reap death. And the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life. There's one thing wrong tonight with the fundamentalist preaching that you'll hear when you go home and turn on the radio, if some of you do. There's one thing wrong tonight with the so-called fundamentalist preaching you hear through the weeks. It's soft. There's no judgment. There's no condemnation of sin. There's no crying out against what's happening to us. Oh, America, you are destroying yourself. Your iniquity is pulling you down. Just last week I gave away on the radio a packet which I called the Communist Party program to rebuild Detroit. There's nine points in it. It's exceedingly interesting. And I want everybody to get it and to see what the communists want us to do. They want us to destroy ourselves, and this is the way they're proposing. But, beloved, when I listen to the Communist Party program, they had a program. They have a program. Where is our program? Where is anybody coming forward and saying, this is what Christians ought to do to help the situation in our country tonight? And what are the Christians going to do to help deal with these cities that are being burned? And what are the Christians going to do to help deal with these problems that have come upon us? Yes, that's a question. That is a question. The communists are doing something. But what are the Christians going to do to help this situation? Oh, beloved, God raised up this prophet Hosea and he said, you tell Israel that she is destroying herself and that her iniquity is pulling her down. And the first thing that this land needs to hear from the mouths of the preachers of God is that this land is in great sin and we need to repent of our sin and we need to listen to the message of God. We need some preachers and evangelists who won't get up and give nice little sweet soft fundamentalist essays and say we're giving you some Bible studies and don't get disturbed about the sin. Oh, beloved, real Bible preaching is the kind of preaching you have here in these 14 chapters from Hosea and they are the sternest kind of denunciation of sin and iniquity in Israel and in Ephraim. Now will you turn, please, to chapter 5. Just look at these words. Hear ye this, O priest, and hearken, O ye house of Israel, and give me ear, O house of the king, for judgment is toward you, because ye have been a snare on Mizpah, and a net spread upon Tabor. And the revolters are profound. They make slaughter, though I have been a rebuker of them all. I know Ephraim, and Israel is not hid from me. 
For now, O Ephraim, thou committest whoredom, and Israel is defiled. By the language of this prophet. Whoever preaches from Hosea anymore, the modernists don't preach from it because it describes the judgment of the sin that they're guilty of. Who is it that takes a minor prophet like this and holds up before the people the awful condemnation of God against iniquity? We're to repent of sin. We're to turn from sin. We're to warn the people of the iniquity that abounds. And we are to come as the people of God and tell our cities, tell Detroit, tell Philadelphia, somebody tell our nation that we are destroying ourselves by our iniquity. Now will you turn back just a little further? Chapter 4, verse 6. My people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. Because thou hast rejected knowledge, I will also reject thee. And beloved, the knowledge that Hosea is talking about here is not the knowledge of sin. They had plenty of that. The knowledge he's talking about here is not the knowledge of their own lust. And their own adulteries, they were full of whoredoms. They knew all about those problems. The knowledge that they were being destroyed for the lack of was the knowledge of the Word of God. The knowledge of the message of God. They lacked the knowledge of it. They lacked the understanding of God's mercy and grace and how God could save them. And God says, my people are destroyed for want of knowledge. And that's my problem. That's the trouble in this country tonight. The churches are just full of people that are just ignorant of the word of God. And today, people went to churches all over this country and they went in and they had some service and they had some candles and they had some forums and they had a little essay or something else on, maybe race relations or something else. Maybe they got into civil rights. They may have had a few preachers even denouncing the war in Vietnam. I don't know. But they got into all these various subjects and the people went out and went away. And they are perishing for the want of knowledge. Well, I wish I could have heard some of the preachers that preached 200 years ago here in New Jersey or 100 years ago here in New Jersey. I wished I could have heard this man Tennant who preached up here in this pulpit I saw it the other day in Freehold. This great Presbyterian preacher whom God used to stir a revival across this, this area of ours. And beloved, if out of WXUR, out of this hearing, out of the questions that are being raised, we can see a resurgence. If we could have a revival, if the people of Philadelphia would cry out, Oh God, be merciful to us. There's sin in our land. There's iniquity in our city. If we could see something like that happen right now and we could have a resurgence, it's been the prayer of my heart as I've driven out into Pennsylvania, driven down into South Jersey, driven down into Delaware. And again, I went out this afternoon and I said, Oh Lord, use this to stir this area. This is where we live. This is where we're going to serve thee. This is where we're building our houses. This is where we're rearing our children. Lord, use somebody to bring a revival. We're in sin. And this is what Hosea was telling the children of Israel. Now notice chapter 4, verse 1. Hear the word of the Lord. You know, I've read these things many, many times. You go to Hosea, you go to Jeremiah, you go to Amos. And do you know that time and time again, and you see it now, it seems to stand out as it didn't stand out before. Whenever these prophets get up to start talking, you know what they tell you? Hear! Hear! 
you'd think they thought you were deaf or something. Well, that's what the trouble is. They start their messages. Hear the word of the Lord. Well, why don't they just get up and go to talking? Why tell them they hear the word of the Lord? Just, just go to talking. The emphasis is you get your ears open. They're stopped up. You're dull of hearing. Let what I'm saying to you penetrate. Let it go in. Let it come into your heart so you'll understand what I'm talking about. You hear the word of the Lord. Beloved, we hear everything under heaven. We hear everything that comes down the road. We can hear everything, but for some reason we don't seem to be able to hear the message. And if some prophet comes along like Dr. McIntyre or somebody else and begins to preach like this and take the Bible and open up these questions, oh yes, he's an extremist. We don't need to pay attention to him. He's an extremist. He's just negative. All he ever does is tell you you're a sinner. He just isn't Why can't he get sweet and positive and be in favor of some kind of broad, inclusivist cooperation and not be so divisive? That's what they say. Oh, beloved, hear the word of the Lord, ye children of Israel. For the Lord hath a controversy with the inhabitants of the land. God has a controversy with the inhabitants of our land tonight. And I believe this great radio struggle, I believe that God Almighty has brought us into this issue in order that it may be so clearly revealed that WXUR is to be put off the air so the people can't hear. It's to be put off the air so that people cannot hear certain things that those who are doing the putting off don't desire them to hear. That's your problem. You know, when I think of WXUR and how it was obtained and the terrific struggle that's been engaged, and then I believe that here it is, Independence Square, here's our cradle of liberty. Of all the places for the major battle on freedom of speech on the radio to be waged right in the Philadelphia area. Of all the places. This is the first time that any radio station in this country has been put on trial like this one is for the reasons that they're putting it on trial. The so-called fairness doctrine and then this raising of funds to support sectarian doctrine. First time. And it involves freedom. Freedom to preach. Freedom to deal with these great issues. Freedom to get to the hearts of the people. And it's right here in Philadelphia, the cradle of liberty, where our Declaration of Independence was signed and where our Constitution was drafted and born. And it's right in this immediate area that this battle is again being fought over the very same ideals that uh, our fathers fought to give us in the first place. It's right here. All right, well, you turn back just a little further. And you come to the first chapter of Hosea. And beloved, when you get to this chapter, you're confronted with a very, very significant and interesting thing. God said to the prophet, the beginning of the word of the Lord to Hosea, and the Lord said to Hosea, Go take thee unto thee a wife of whoredoms and children of whoredoms, for the land hath committed great whoredoms departing from the Lord. So he went and took Gomer, the daughter of Diblain, 
which conceived, and she bare a son. And the Lord said unto him, Call his name Jezreel, for yet a little while, and I will avenge the blood of Jezreel upon the house of Jehu, and will cause to cease the kingdom of the house of Israel. And it shall come to pass at that day that I will break the bow of Israel in the valley of Jezreel. And she conceived again and bare a daughter. Now, beloved, here is a situation in which the whoredoms and the iniquity and the filth and all of this was so rife and it was so prominent. It was the major thing that God says, you go out there and you take yourself a wife of these whoredoms and you illustrate what this awful thing is that Israel has done in turning away from me. And if you'll turn back a little further, of course, over in the prophecy itself, God tells the children of Israel that he and he alone is able to blot out their whoredoms and he alone is able to bring unto them the deliverance from this awful sin. Beloved, the whoredom that's spoken of here is not just the whoredom of physical adultery. The whoredom that's spoken of here in the prophecy of Hosea is the unfaithfulness of a wife as she turns over here to commit these awful adulteries with another God, with another, well, with the images of Baal, with the temples of all the idols. And the awful whoredom is that Israel is guilty of spiritual fornication. She claims to be the children of Israel and believe in Jehovah, but she goes out here and she builds the groves and she worships on the high places and she pays respect to Baal, the awful God Baal. Now, beloved, Israel, Jeremiah's time, Isaiah's time, all these great prophets found that the children of Israel wanted to worship not only Jehovah, but they wanted to worship Baal too. They wanted to have liberty to worship Baal. They wanted to have the broad view so that they could worship Baal here and they could worship Jehovah here. And Hosea, Jeremiah, these great prophets of God said that type of ecumenism, because that's all it is, that type of inclusivism, that's all in the world is, is forbidden, and it's a spiritual harlotry that is represented in physical adultery and the awful filth that's involved in this sort of sin and disobedience. Sometimes, beloved, when I read the Bible, you think, aren't we soft? Aren't we weak? Why haven't we been getting up and telling everybody that when they go over to worship in their modernistic churches where their preachers deny the Bible and they offer them some kind of a humanism that they're guilty of whoredoms? That's what it is. That's what Hosea calls it. That's what Jeremiah called it. Why don't we recognize that when people go into these modernistic cathedrals and they have presented there the God is dead idea. And they have presented there that uh, Moses didn't write his book and we've got a book of legends and myths. 
Why doesn't somebody get up and talk like the prophet Hosea and say that they're guilty of whoredoms? Spiritual whoredoms. That's what it is. The only way you can have purity is to worship the only God there is. The only way you can have holiness is to walk in obedience to him and not try to mix him up with any other kind of gods or with any other false commandments. We are a people of one God. We are a people who have one law to obey. We are a people who have one Savior and only one Savior to whom we must look. And that Savior is Jesus Christ. And tonight, we need some prophets like Hosea who will take the passages that I've given to you and go and preach them and say, Sinner, you're destroying yourself by your iniquity. And the only one who can help you is the living God. Now that's the message of the prophet of Hosea from beginning to end. You know, when you read 14 chapters of nothing but just condemnation, 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 you'd think after a while the people will say, Hosea, is that the only message you have? That was the only message he had. Beloved, there's only one message that anybody needs, and that is that he is being destroyed by his own iniquity. You're being destroyed by your iniquity. And the only place that you can find any help or any deliverance or any assistance is in the God of Israel and what that God has done for us in the offering of his Son and the coming of Jesus Christ. Beloved, the Christian's people need to know what sin is. Name it, call it, identify it. Know what sin is. And that's the trouble with this FCC ruling. Preachers can't name names anymore. They can't identify sin. They can't get into these things. Beloved, we have reached a dark day in this country. When these radio stations tell you you can't mention any names anymore. And when these radio stations come to you and you can't mention this and you can't mention that and you can't mention anything else. Beloved, I say to you tonight that the prophet Hosea wouldn't last five minutes on a radio in the United States tonight. He talks about Samaria. He names these places. He identifies these individuals. And what he doesn't have to say about Ephraim, he'd have to be given free time on, Ephraim would have to be given free time to come back and make his rebuttal. Hosea couldn't have preached on the radio in the United States since August the 14th, 1967. It's just that bad. My, we had a precious experience this afternoon. After we got through with this rally and, and all these rallies, it seems to be the same. My, oh my. You go out in these rallies, I've been going all over the world, but it's, it's nice that I, I have to stay around here. They, they tied me down, so I just go out here for an evening and I go over there for an evening. But in every one of these places, I say, how many of you people have been down to Cape May? And then half the audience goes up in their hands. They've all been down there. The, the, the influence of this Cape May, this Bible conference among these peoples, all through, it is profound. It's a marvelous thing. And then when it's over, like this afternoon, Amanda's wife came up to me and they were just beaming and they were so happy. And I said, how do you do? And they said, well, we are so-and-so. And they said, uh, our, our son is down at uh, your college. And I says, he is? I says, what's his name? Oh, yes. Oh, and then they just beamed. They said, you know, Dr. McIntyre, he was down there last year. And, and uh, he wanted to get some additional French. And so he was going to go. He went over here to uh, 
uh, Westchester. That's a place I believe. I better be careful about these names. But anyhow, <laughs> he went over here to this college, and uh, uh, he took a course in religion. And the first week he was there, the professor got up and told him that the book of Job was a myth. Job was a myth. And he went on with a few other things. And so this young fella told his girl. He asked her, he says, is Job a myth? And he asked her a few questions. And, and uh, then the little girl, the young lady he was interested in, she thought maybe he was losing his faith. She got disturbed about this boy losing his faith. And then the word came back to him that they were having such a wonderful time down at the college and the Lord was blessing with these messages from the word and other things. And so he says, well, I'm just going to quit here and go down to that college anyhow. I'm getting out of this place. And so the parents lost all their tuition over there and said, all right, if you want to go back to Shelton, we'll take you. So he's gone down to Shelton College. But here is the very thing I'm talking about. Here's your colleges, here's your universities out here, destroying faith, destroying faith, destroying faith. And when I go around and I meet these people in these rallies, they come and say, we have a son, he's down at Shelton. I was out in, uh, in Coatesville, I met some people, we have a daughter down at Shelton. I was down in uh, Delaware and a man came up to me and he says, my sister married John Stormer and... Uh, I have a son down in Shelton. John Stormer has a nephew down in Shelton. And everywhere I go, I run in. We've got a son, we've got a nephew, we've got a cousin, we've got a lad, we've got a grandson. They're all down in Shelton. And when I go around and I see this and I see this concern of the people, I say, thank you, Lord. Give us a revival. May the influence of this testimony be felt in all these different areas. And I do believe tonight, I do believe that through these years, there is a very fine, solid constituency in this overall area. Our Bible Presbyterians, our Independent Baptists, our Evangelical Methodists, these various independent groups. And they're all through this area right now, and they become more numerous than any of us ever dreamed they would be. And there's a resurgence, and and the reason they want WXUR off the air is that people will not hear about this great harlotry, about this great apostasy, about these great departures from the word, and then leave these modernistic churches and go out and take part in the great Reformation churches and the Reformation movement of the day. That's the reason for it, as I see it. I wonder what would happen if the Christians of the country, the Christians of this area, what would happen if we decide to try to evangelize what they call the ghettos? A lot of what they call ghettos isn't ghettos. I don't like the word at all. It's a part of the whole thrust together, a name like that and a title on some of these areas. But what would happen if we could do something, if something could really be done by the Bible-believing separated people to go out here and take the gospel? Why isn't a church like this tonight absolutely packed with people? Why is it that people aren't in here with their children and their grandchildren and their families? Why are they not here? Oh, that's a lot of you. You're here and some of you are always here. You never miss. But why is it we don't seem to be able to see this thing stir to where people said, I must go up to the house of God. This is Sunday night. I need to go and sing some of the hymns of Zion and praise God. Why isn't that spirit in our midst? 
Why isn't there this desire to get a neighbor and say, oh, forget your television. You've got that thing six nights in the week and furthermore, it's not very good anyhow. Why don't you come and go over to the house of God? And why don't you hear Dr. McIntyre and hear some of these men speak of the judgments of God against iniquity and come and find refuge, come and find security, come and find peace, come and find redemption by the blood of the Lamb. This is the message that God has for you. My, it's a burden when you see it, beloved. Would you tell me why we couldn't fill our churches and why the churches are empty and it's closed and dark? And Oh, Hosea, you've got the message. Oh, Israel, ye are destroying yourself by your iniquity. That's Hosea. And the only place to find refuge is in our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Let us pray. Our Father, we thank Thee for this great prophet. And we thank Thee that he spoke with such boldness and such courage. But we thank thee that after he did all of this, he told the children of Israel, O Israel, return unto the Lord thy God, for thou hast fallen by thine iniquity. Amen. Now let us close our service tonight with hymn number... 188, only trust him, 188. you preach a message that is as stern as this one. This is stern preaching. There's nothing light about it. It's, it's heavy. This is judgment. And men are going to hell. Men are dying tonight in their sins and they're dying without Christ, without God, without hope. That's what's happening. And oh, if we could get a burden for the lost. Just a burden. If our church, if our people could get a great burden for the lost. We're fighting to keep a radio station on the air so we can preach in this area. The message I just gave tonight went out. Who heard it? Only God knows. But oh, that it could be used to touch some lost sinner and bring that man to the place to where he's saying, Lord, I've sinned and I'm under judgment and I will accept thy son as my Savior and be saved. And is there anyone here tonight, anyone who's come into this place tonight, 
These are dark days. These are days of, of great uh, uh, iniquity. And these are days when people are getting hard of hearing, dull of hearing, and all that's coming down on people in our country. And we appeal that God will speak, that God will touch the hearts of men, and that they will come to Christ. Now let's bow in prayer. I'm going to give an invitation just to accept Christ. A direct, personal decision to accept Christ. Is there anyone here now who says, Yes, Pastor, you really denounced sin tonight. All Israel was going down, being destroyed by her iniquity. America's facing it too. But tonight I want to accept Christ as my personal Savior, and I believe he died for me. Will you accept him tonight? Will you believe in Christ tonight? Will you say, Lord, I believe you died for me? Will you lift your hand? Will you make that decision? Will you lift your hand, sir? There are visitors here. There are strangers here. There are those of you who are here. Will you come tonight? Only trust him. I give you this invitation. Our Father, we commit this service to thee. And oh, the ministry of this day. Thou knowest the problems we face. And Lord, wilt thou take care of them. God bless our efforts tomorrow. Tomorrow night in Trenton. For Christ's sake. Amen. Now before I pronounce a benediction, I have two things I'd like to say to you. Don't sit down. Just, I'll just take a second. Tomorrow morning at 10 o'clock, I do hope that you can go, and I hope we can arrange it so that you can go Tuesday and different ones can go. I want everybody to see what's going on. There's going to be some tremendous cross-examination. There's something going to take place this week in that courtroom that has never happened in any courtroom in this country, in this nation. It's going to be there this week, and it's worth your going. Tomorrow night, I'm going to be in the Faith Baptist Church 2111 Couser, K-U-S-E-R, Trenton. Couser Road runs off Route 533 between White Marsh and Mercerville. Now, you know as much about it as I do, but that's it. Route 533 between White Marsh and, Merchant, and Mercerville, Mercerville. I don't know whether I'll find 10 people up there. But if any of you can go tomorrow night, please come. Now, my book, Outside the Gate, is outside the doors. <laughs> it's outside the doors in the vestibule. And you people are going out this way tonight. You'll have to detour and go out that way because this is the only night you're going to get them. Those books are being taken out of there, and they won't be there after tonight. I'm giving them to you tonight, and they're yours. But you'll have to get them. And I'll go back there now, and we'll sign some up. And now, Father... May thy grace and thy mercy and thy peace be upon us. For Christ's sake, amen.